Hello, Movie Marathoners, and welcome to episode 86 of the Movie Marathoners podcast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mati, and joining me this week in a 4-3 format to preserve the integrity of his creative vision is my friend, Ian Anderson. Welcome back to the podcast, Ian. Are you excited to talk about more cape shit? Oh, always. Yeah, we get to talk about something I've been really excited to talk about for a while, and we also watched a movie. Yeah, (laughs) indeed. So you are hinting that we have two things to talk about today. Uh, This week, the episode is a normal marathon episode, of course, featuring a full-length review of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, Before heading to the start line, we'll warm up with some film news, just very briefly. Then we'll have a spoiler-free discussion of Zack Snyder's Justice League before heading into spoiler territory, where we can talk freely about that film. And then finally, we'll round out the episode with our point two section, where we'll discuss the first episode of the new MCU Disney Plus show, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So you're a little more excited to talk about that one than Justice League, Ian? (laughs) Uh, Same levels of excitement, I guess. Uh, Different levels of love. Anticipation also, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so let's go ahead and just briefly warm up with some film news. The Mighty Ducks are back. They have a new Disney Plus show called The Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Uh, That comes out in a few weeks, Friday, March 26th. Ian, are you a fan of the Mighty Ducks films? Yeah, I am. Um, (laughs) Probably for different reasons than maybe you if you are. Have you ever watched the Mighty Ducks animated series? I feel like (laughs) I have this like idea of what I think the Mighty Ducks animated series is. And it's these ducks... That are anthropomorphic yes. people, and they also are they like space cadets or something? They're like space, yeah, space police, uh, like guardians of the galaxy kind of people, um, kind of ducks, I guess. They're defending the world of Puck <laughs> World. I thought okay. so, so. Okay, so I thought this was the Mighty Ducks for the longest time, and when I like, <laughs> so you, you as, mean you thought that the animated show about anthropomorphized ducks yes. was the only Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought this was like what the Mighty Ducks was for the longest time. <laughs> and I I had like friends that played hockey and we like talked about the Mighty Ducks sometimes and we had like wildly different thoughts about like what was going on with the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh so eventually I watched the movie and I was like, "Oh, so it's like a real person. This is like a live action thing." <laughs> yeah. Um and it's it's so much more boring um still good but very different (laughs) yeah so i guess we should be clear that this is a tv show that is a sequel to the movies which are about children playing peewee hockey (laughs) and not about anthropomorphized ducks fighting in space honestly before this conversation there was a 50 50 shot if i had just invented that show in my head and it never actually existed. Yeah, like no, you are sound, now confirming to me fake. for the first time that this is an actual show. So, You're welcome. Yeah. yeah, get out there and watch it. It's one series, one season, uh, like twenty six episodes, I think. Super unrelated, but was there also another similar space show about the Looney Tunes where there was like Daffy Duck and yeah. Bugs Bunny, and then there was a Lola Bunny? They they had different names, but they were like. Superheroes, yeah. I can't, powers. Is that Darkwing Duck? I can't remember. I thought Darkwing Duck was the guy with the mask. Yeah, I think you're right. There, I know what you're talking about, though. I can picture him. Lots of duck superheroes out there. <laughs> I'm looking it up. 
Looney Tunes <laughs> space show. Lunatics Unleashed. That's what it was. Was it? I, yes. He had a superhero name, I thought. Ace Bunny, Lex Bunny, Danger Duck. Danger Duck. Yeah. yeah. So they're all descendants of the Looney Tunes, and they all have like superpowers, and they get weapons and, and stuff. That's a pretty cool show. Um, well, anyways, <laughs> let's go back to what we were talking about. The first Mighty Ducks movie came out in 1992. It starred Emilio Estevez as Gordon Bombay, the coach of the Mighty Ducks. And so he's going to be back in this TV show, which also stars Lauren Graham and then a bunch of random child actors. But last week, I don't know if you saw this image, Ian, an Entertainment Weekly exclusive photo came out and it kind of caused people to grapple with the relentless passage of time. Because in addition to Emilio Estevez, this picture shows a bunch of the original child actors have grown up and they are in the photo in Mighty Ducks uniforms. Yeah. And they look old. I included this picture in the show notes so that you could see it. What do you think about this picture? <laughs> Time isn't kind. No. <laughs> do you recognize any of these people? No, I think absolutely not. I do not. You don't, what about the guy to the left of Emilio Estevez? I don't think I do. It's Foggy Nelson. Oh my God. From Daredevil. Yeah. You have to bear with me because I'm terrible with recognizing okay. actors. Okay. <laughs> well, um, the, the, the woman on the far left, I don't have her name written down, which is my bad, but she's also in Wet Hot American Summer. The other people, no idea who they are, but um, yeah, time, time is a vicious mistress. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm looking at the original photo now. Like from the original movie uh, of them all standing there together, and I can see, I I can see it now. Yeah. Well, I don't know if any of these other people have gone on to go and do anything super noteworthy other than the two people that we just mentioned. <laughs> um, it's kind of funny that like the main kid in the Mighty Ducks is Joshua Jackson, who is very famous, and he's not in this picture. I don't think he's coming back. So probably just picking out the people that were around for the show are you gonna watch this show the mighty ducks game oh, changers it's a, it's a show not a movie yeah oh i was gonna say yes <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i if i can commit to that it might be one of those background while i'm working kind of shows it, i mean it's it, it looks like i watched the trailer and it looks like it's gonna be a feel-good kind of thing oh there's a trailer that would have been yeah, a good did you not thing. Want, oh, I, th I thought you would like it because they, they made a joke about having a podcaster's body. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that would have been a good thing to look up before talking about this movie. Well, I'm not going to, I mean, no, I am going to watch it. I'll it at least like watch good the first movie. episode. It looks fun. Yeah. So, The Mighty Ducks, Game Changers, Friday, March 26th. Look out for that in-depth podcast review. <laughs> Just kidding. We won't be doing that. We have much better and more sophisticated things to talk about that weekend. Godzilla vs. Kong. Anyways, let's move on to our main review of Zack Snyder's Justice League. So first, a synopsis. Zack Snyder's definitive director's cut of Justice League. <laughs> Determined to ensure Superman's ultimate sacrifice was not in vain, Bruce Wayne aligns forces with Diana Prince with plans to recruit a team of metahumans to protect the world from an approaching threat of catastrophic proportions. Zack Snyder's Justice League stars Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, Henry Cavill, Ray Fisher, Ezra Miller, and Jason Momoa. It is written by Zack Snyder, Chris Terrio, and Will Beal. And uh, I'm not actually sure who it's directed by. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a bad joke. 
I spent a lot of time trying to divide us. I made a promise to him on his grave. I need to bring us together. There are enemies coming from far away. They serve an old power. This world is divided. No protectors here. No lanterns. No Kryptonium. It will fall in his name. So in case people are confused about why I keep saying Zack Snyder's Justice League instead of just Justice League, we'll do a little brief oral history of this whole ordeal. Just really quickly, Justice League was originally released by Warner Bros. in 2017, and the film was originally directed and shot by Zack Snyder, but then Snyder had to step away from the project before it was finished due to a very tragic personal issue. And then in the wake of his leave, Warner Bros. brought on Josh... What is it? Joss? Joss Whedon. Whatever. Brought on Joss Whedon to take over as director, and he ordered uh, you know, a series of reshoots because they weren't really happy with Zack Snyder's vision of the film. The result of that whole ordeal was this Frankenstein's monster of a movie that was really awkward and really bad, and it was very aligned by critics and audiences alike. It was also cut to just under two hours to allow for more viewings per day, which ultimately didn't work because the film was also a box office bomb. At the time, it was the lowest grossing DCEU film. So then, after this whole ordeal, instead of people seeing a shitty movie and moving on with their lives, a group of people started to clamor for Warner Bros. to, quote, release the Snyder Cut, which was this alleged complete cut of the film that Snyder had overseen before it was retooled by Whedon and Warner Bros. So for roughly two and a half years, Warner Bros. stood firm and said, nope, there's no Snyder Cut. That's never going to happen. We're never going to release it. It's a pipe dream. But then in February of 2020, Warner Bros. announced that they, in fact, would be releasing the Snyder Cut. And then in May of 2020, it was announced that the Snyder Cut would be premiering on HBO Max and that this, quote, original unquote <laughs> cut of Zack Snyder's film also included new material that was reshot in October of 2020. So there's a bunch of confusion here about what the original cut was and why if there's an original cut that Zack mm -hmm. Snyder had, why they needed to reshoot things in October, but whatever. Mm -hmm. The reshoot and the production of this version of the film cost a neat, small, tiny $70 million. So Fast forward to last Thursday, March 19th, 2021, and we finally get the Snyder Cut of Justice League, which sits at a lean four hours and one minute. So Ian, you and I are not a fan of Snyder's films, nor <laughs> are we fans of the theatrical Justice League. I remember watching that movie with you and we kind of like tried to convince ourselves that it was good for about a day and then we were mm -hmm. really disappointed. Mm -hmm. We also really did not have any faith that this project would result in a good movie. Uh, we had planned to review this film for a while, and we had planned to kind of dump all over it. <laughs> but then, when early reviews for the Snyder Cut came out, people were saying extremely positive things about the film. Generally speaking, reviews for this film were overwhelmingly positive. They were saying they loved it, that it was a masterpiece. This was genuinely shocking to me. Like I had assumed that a small minority of people would love it, 
but that the general response would be pretty negative or pretty ambivalent about the whole thing. And yet here we are. I mean, obviously, after those early reactions, things got a little more lukewarm and people were like, it's good, but, you know, whatever. But now that you've seen the film in its entirety, you've seen all four hours and one minute, right? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) What are your thoughts on Justice League? Zack Snyder's Justice League, Ian? Yeah. So like you said, when early reviews were coming out, they were like overwhelmingly positive. And you texted me something about how like you were looking forward to like, just like shitting on this movie and it might be hard to do so if it's a good movie, actually. Um, yeah. and, and I, I don't like Snyder's movies, but I still wanted it to be good. I had good, like high hopes going into it. I mean, high hopes in like relative to like Snyder movies, which aren't that high. Um, <laughs> but it was a fine movie. Um, and like I said, when I think we talked about Wonder Woman, 1984 i always start like these superhero movies at like a baseline of like i am so excited to see these characters on screen Mm -hmm. and especially with the dceu movies it's so hard for me to see the characters themselves i'm fine with stories being separated from the comics but it's so hard for me to see characters themselves being like in my eyes like assassinated in these movies and that was something that I actually was pleasantly surprised by in the Snyder Cut. I, I thought he did a much better job at staying true to the characters in this movie than he has in his past movies. And I thought this was much better than the original Justice League. I thought this was much better than any better than BVS. It's better than Man of Steel, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I, I will say that I did. I was looking forward to having fun with you and yeah, shitting yeah. on the movie. Right? I was going to have fun either way. <laughs> right. Um, but I didn't necessarily want the film to be bad. I guess the only reason that I kind of was hoping that this thing wouldn't work out is because I wasn't a huge fan of how people went about manifesting it into mm-hmm. existence. Oh, right? totally. Like, I think there's a huge problem with the quote unquote Snyder cult and how they treat people online and how they mm-hmm. bully people who don't believe with them. I mean, that's true for all fandoms. I mean, we saw it in Star Wars and we see it in MCU all the time and stuff. So it's not just Snyder cult, but Mm -hmm. the validation that they're going to get from this film is a little frustrating to me. Yeah. But that being said, I mean, as a film and and as a thing that we're reviewing and talking about, I was really pleasantly surprised. I Mm -hmm. enjoyed it quite a bit. I think it's absurd to call it a masterpiece. I think there's a lot of problems with it. (laughs) But (laughs) the fact that this movie works at all is a Herculean feat, almost, basically, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's really fascinating to think about the unique problem that they had and how they went about solving it. Because you have this terrible movie that is two hours long, and you have all this leftover footage that was cut out, and then you also have a certain amount of money to reshoot everything and reproduce it and do all the visual effects. Mm -hmm. And the question is, how do you use these materials to scrape something together that's not only in line with you, Zack Snyder's original vision, mm-hmm. but still makes sense and feels like a complete project given what you have. And I think for the most part, it does that. It, it yeah. does a really good job at that. Uh, what do you think about that? Just how it feels as a film? Yeah, just going going off of that a bit, I I found it really hard to watch the movie and figure out how I would have felt if this is what we got in 20, was it 2017? 
Yeah. Because we've gotten Aquaman since then, right? Mm-hmm. We've gotten Wonder Woman 1984. Was Wonder Woman after that actually also? No. Or was that before? Yeah, I think it was before Justice League. Okay. I'm almost positive. But like regardless, we've seen more of these characters since then. Mm-hmm. And it's so tough to watch this and ignore those movies and also ignore the original Justice League and also ignore, like, there were some times where I was like, are we sure this came after Batman versus Superman <laughs> and after Man of Steel? But yeah, it, it was it was hard to watch in that way. Yeah, I think you're speaking to this idea of when you're watching this movie, you kind of can't stop thinking what's the point of this? Mm-hmm. And sure, I mean, part of it is the point is to make a movie that's interesting to watch. And, you know, maybe they did that. But in terms of what this is for DC and yeah. what this means going forward is a big question mark. And I think it does kind of hurt the film a little bit because you're so confused about, well, they're giving us background about Aquaman mm-hmm. that we already know now because we saw his movie. And so it is a good idea to think and try at least to think about how we would be receiving that information if we hadn't already seen Aquaman. And some of that information is completely different, right? Like some of the stuff that they say about Aquaman is completely contradicted by what they say about the character in his own movie. So I don't know. It's it's kind of a weird thing. And before we get into like the nitty gritty of like a nitpickiness of Mm -hmm. what we didn't enjoy about this movie... Um, I think overall, one of the biggest issues for me was not just with the movies that we've seen since then, but what Snyder expected us to know as an audience that I could tell as a comic book reader, he was uh, he was assuming that we knew from comics. And I don't know if I don't know if the typical fan would have gotten these things. Do you have like a non spoilery example? So Superman's black costume that's in the trailers. Is that considered a spoiler? No, I don't think so. No. They delved into his costume a ton in the comics and why he wore a black costume because that's such a massive change from what he typical typically is. He is typically this colorful, um, bright, inspiring hero, which I guess he isn't in the Snyderverse, but they had to give a reason for why he would wear a black costume. And we just got like, oh, it's a cool looking costume in this movie. I agree. That part didn't really make any sense to me, and they never addressed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was probably just one of those things where Zack Snyder was like, "This looks cool, and I want to do this." Um, and before I forget, I think I will definitely talk about it later. But also the the sort of nightmare scenes with the Joker. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll talk about the Joker, I'm sure, later. But there was a lot of assuming, I think, into what we know about what's going on at the end of the movie. So, yeah, let's let's save that for spoilers yeah. <laughs> and to talk about the end of the movie, because okay. I do have a lot of problems with what was going on there, at least from yeah. like a, a film structure perspective. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we can probably go into spoilers pretty quickly here. I will just say that for me, some of the complaints that I had about this film, the things that didn't work, um, this movie is way too long. There is no reason for it to be four hours. And I think that. You were talking a little bit about how it's hard to tell what we might think about this movie if we got it in 2017 or whenever as the original film. And I do think there's a really fascinating and compelling two hour and 30 minute film in this film 
that would work really well if Warner Brothers had bothered to actually set up the movie with additional individual films, right? Like, so there's a lot going on in the first two hours of this film that are clearly Zack Snyder compensating for not having the other films to set up Flash and set up Cyborg and all of this stuff. And I think that that makes the film way too long. And I honestly couldn't like recommend this film to somebody that wasn't really interested in the film in the first mm-hmm. place. Yeah, that goes sort of along the lines of a note that I wrote down. I, I separated all of my notes by the chapters um, <laughs> yeah. on my phone while I was watching the movie. And uh, just about the length, if slow motion was cut, like this, oh could, this could be a normal length movie. The slow-mo is unbearable. There's a couple things in this movie that I find so unbearable. And mm-hmm. I think it is because Zack Snyder has very particular flourishes as a director, Snyderisms or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And some people love them. So I don't want to like yuck anyone's yum. If you love Zack Snyder's slow-mo, he's really good at making screenshots, like images mm-hmm. that look good when you stop and you look at it and you look at it as a composition. I think those images are really good. But like even in 300, which is one of his films that I think people really like how it looks, I hate that movie because it's just dull and there's way too much slow-mo. There's way too much nonsense. And it's all just these set up beautiful things mm-hmm. put together in the most loose format possible to get from point A to point B to point C. And I feel like there's a lot of that, especially in the first two hours of this movie. Like, yeah. oh, we want that image of Aquaman drinking whiskey as the waves are going. But who who cares? Who, who is cares? this guy? What yes. does this have to do with the plot? Uh, I, I know. It's so annoying. I, you and I will, will both agree, though, that he is good at making beautiful shots. I just don't. Yeah. They don't have a point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of things that don't have a point, what did you think about the aspect ratio? I mean... I understand why he would like to have a movie in that aspect ratio, I guess. I just wish, um, this is another thing, I guess, with the fan base of Snyder's. If you talk about it, you will get yelled at. (laughs) (laughs) To me, it's just a little too, like, up its own ass. I get it, you know? That's another Snyderism, though. Yeah, so you, you can't hate on it. <laughs> there, there just is a lot of that in this film that there's things that are sort of edgy for edgy's sake. Mm-hmm. Like, what would happen if a 14 year old was shooting a movie? And again, I think sometimes it works, and I think some people really like that in their movies—the sort of badass edginess to it. But for me, it just kind of makes me roll my eyes, and it really takes me out of the movie. So, like, when you have Batman saying "fuck." Yeah. Just so that you can be like, we had Batman say fuck. It just Now it's feels, R-rated. <laughs> yeah. It just feels a little self-indulgent. And I think yeah, totally. that's a huge part of this movie. I, I do want to say some positives, though, before we go into spoilers. Yeah. I think the final battle of this movie is really good. I mm-hmm. think it's really cool, significantly better than in the theatrical version. And I also really like how they improved cyborg and Mm -hmm. flash's contributions to Mm -hmm. the film and the plot what about you yeah that was probably my biggest criticism going into justice league the original one that you know they were trying to introduce so many characters that we didn't know and also you know have superman and batman we barely know this batman at all uh we saw like 15 minutes of like just this batman and batman versus superman and we 
like this Superman is also just starting out. So it, it was really hard to buy into, first of all, recovering from his death in Batman versus Superman was hard to care about that. And it was hard to buy into building a team in this movie and having them face like their greatest fight in this movie. But I think I, I think that Zack Snyder's Justice League did a hell of a lot better than the original did in <laughs> introducing the Flash and introducing Cyborg. Um, I absolutely love Cyborg in this. Uh, such a great backstory expanding on it. But I think the Flash was like, he, he was my favorite, I think, in this movie. Yeah. Dana said that he was a little cringy, like trying too hard to be a little bit bubbly. But that is yeah. the Flash character. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that take. I, I really liked him too. And I thought other than for whatever reason, Zack Snyder really likes putting music over slow-mo scenes, which there was just way too many music cues in this. But the scene of him, I guess it's a little bit spoilery, but there's an origin scene for him or whatever, or kind of an introduction scene. And I think that one's really good and really yeah, That was my favorite scene in the movie, actually. Okay. Uh, we'll talk more specifically about our favorite scenes um, in the spoiler section. Yes. The one other thing I'll say... Before we go over there, is that there are still a lot of things that I think didn't work in the theatrical cut that aren't really improved here, like Steppenwolf. Um, mm-hmm. I still think he looks like dog shit. <laughs> the <laughs> CGI looks terrible. It's really clear that the CGI is unfinished or rushed, right? And it it feels like this is not the final product that they would have mm-hmm. given us in 2017. So that's a little bit frustrating. Any stuff, this is not a spoiler since it is in the trailers, any stuff with Darkseid, I thought looked like it was from a PS2 cutscene. <laughs> it was atrocious. Yeah. And I thought Cyborg's design was also garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, looks, looks like tinfoil or something. Yeah, super plasticky. But I mean, other than that, I think almost everything else is completely improved in every other regard. Yeah. Let's quickly talk PRs. This is a segment of the podcast where we ask if this film is anyone's best performance or to, of course, use the running related term, their personal record. Ian, is Zack Snyder's Justice League anyone's PR? Um, in my opinion, it's definitely Zack Snyder's PR. Yeah. <laughs> um, he didn't really have to do much to do that for me, especially with characters that I already love. He, he managed to make me hate them before, so I was a bit worried going in. But, but yeah, I, I, th- I think this is probably my favorite Zack Snyder movie. I agree with that. I barely remember seeing Watchmen, so I know that one generally people like. And I haven't seen Dawn of the Dead, which I think mm-hmm. is usually thought of as one of his best films. So with caveats, this is Zack Snyder's PR for me as well. Um, mm-hmm. But again... I genuinely don't think you're missing anything if you choose not to want to watch this for four hours. That is a huge ask. And I like don't begrudge anybody for not wanting to watch this. And I wouldn't ever be like, you should watch this. You have to watch this. Mm-hmm. Ian, can you just summarize your thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League and give it a score out of 10? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And that's way too long. I would love if like somewhere down the line, we get a somebody's cut of cutting out the superfluous things in this movie (laughs) and then it would be like i would rate it a bit higher as of now i think it's probably like a 6.5 or a 7 for me out of 10 um i i did enjoy watching it but there were just so many things that i had to like 
separate from the experience uh, in order to enjoy it. And then I also had to ignore a lot of things that were clearly going on in the background of the movie. And then I also had to like ignore the CGI problems. And it, it was very hard to watch Clean Slate wise. That's well put. I completely agree again. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 just because that's kind of my straight down the middle solid movie mm -hmm. score. There are some things that are really good in this film. There are some things that feel epic in scope, but then there's also a ton of really dumb things, um, especially things that he puts in to clearly show that there's more to this world that he wants to explore in. It didn't work for me, and it also, in my opinion, doesn't work for the movie. And I also don't think that this movie ultimately is doing anything more than being a story about these characters saving the world. Mm -hmm. And I mean, neither is Avengers. So I'm not saying that, you know, that makes it a bad movie or anything, but it's not like there's not a lot to this movie that you really have to dig into thematically or anything. It's like, oh, good superheroes fighting bad guy. But there is some really cool stuff here. And I think um, especially in the final action sequence, there's some really epic feeling shots and scenes, especially with the flash. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break here. And when we return, we'll hop into spoilers for Zack Snyder's Justice League. All right, we are back and talking about spoilers for Zack Snyder's Justice League starting now. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about some of our favorite moments, our least favorite mm -hmm. moments of the film. Um, I'll start by just saying that one of my favorite moments in this entire thing is when Flash runs back in time and saves them from the mother boxes connecting by yeah. reversing it. That whole scene would have loved to see it in fully rendered CG, but even as mm -hmm. it is, really epic, really cool. What did you think about that scene? Yeah, I thought that was a really cool scene. I, I wish that we knew more about what was going on while he was doing it, because I think there was like a throwaway <laughs> line earlier in the movie about how his powers worked, and I didn't really read too much into it. Like, sometimes when I run too fast, time goes weird or something. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they could have done a better job at explaining that before it happened because it was so hard to, first of all, see what was going on in the scene because of the CGI. But <laughs> I, I also didn't entirely know what was going on. <laughs> yeah, that feels like one of those things where it would have been really useful to have a Flash solo film before mm -hmm. this exploring the speed force. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I was like, oh, yeah, they did that in the TV show. Obviously a completely different Flash, but I knew what was going on because I had seen that show. But you're yeah. right. For somebody who hasn't, that's nonsense. Yeah. So before I get to one of my favorite scenes, I think that was sort of what I touched on in the non-spoiler section. I have such a problem with what Snyder assumes that we know. Mm -hmm. um, he assumes we know the history of this Batman. He assumes we know- It's for the fans though, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's just it's just so annoying because there's so many renditions of these characters. You can't assume that we know the backstories of each and every one because they're just so wildly different throughout history. Mm. You know? And, yeah. and and I wish I wish we got a, a more of an effort into explaining who who this Batman was, who this Superman was, who this Flash is, 
you know, it's too much work. Yeah, you're right. What am I thinking? Yeah, <laughs> actually, actually, I just came up with an idea that might work. Um, what they could have done is wait to release the Justice League movie until after each of the characters has had their own standalone film so that we learn about their backstories before we see them team up in the team up film. You know, I, I totally agree. It, it's so hard for me to, to recommend that, though, because I don't want to be the guy that's like, they should have done it like the MCU did it. Like, I, I don't want to be that guy. Because there are movies that work that introduce character, like, there are team movies that are self-contained movies, you know? No, I know, like, so, not necessarily a great example because not everybody loves that movie, but Age of Ultron introduces WandaVision, or whatever, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver, right? Mm -hmm. They don't show up before that, so I get that, but when you have a movie that has so few already established characters... I do think that you need some sort of setup yeah, for yeah. those characters. I, I totally agree that would have helped. I just don't want to compare it too much to well, the I MCU. Do. No, I know. <laughs> I mean, you're it's right. It's just a but, rabbit hole you can go down. And <laughs> but it's it's not like Marvel invented prequels. Yeah, I know. Or franchises, you know? it's <laughs> There is a way they could have done a Justice League movie. Without any solo movies beforehand, there's a way they could have done that successfully. I'm convinced. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people would think that this was successful. Um, but but with, but with no prequels or anything, you know? So like even without Man of Steel, even without... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. I think it would be... You'd have to really focus on the team as a whole mm-hmm. instead of as the individual characters. Oh, yeah. Or definitely. something. Yeah, I don't know. It is interesting to think about, but why don't you share some of your favorite scenes so that we get out of this little <laughs> hole of negativity? <laughs> yeah, so like like you, uh, I really enjoyed flash scenes and pro- probably for different reasons, but the the introductory flash scene where he saves Iris from the car crash. I think like Flash is one of my favorite superheroes. And that scene was something to me that like defines him as a hero to me and as a speedster in particular. Um, I'm really into like Quicksilver in the comics recently. I've been reading a lot of Quicksilver comics and he's one of the most hated like superheroes in like Marvel comics because he's mm. he, he's just a dick. And <laughs> the reasoning behind him being a dick is because, you know, like Barry, his world is moving so fast Every, like he he explains it like he's being s- stuck in traffic or stuck in line at the bank all day long. That's what his entire life is like. And so he gets pissed easily. And Barry in this scene, I saw it as he takes the time to look around and appreciate things. Like he, he, he like looks at Iris and like falls in love with her in like a second. And I, I thought that was really defining for the character. This is what makes him a, a hero. He sees things in this way. Yeah, in this scene, there was a lot of my favorite little visual moments, too. Mm -hmm. I really liked how it looked when he pokes through the glass as he's running in speed and it shatters. That was really cool. Um, I really like when he turns really quickly. He kind of rips out of his shoes. That was a really cool touch. Yeah, yeah. So little things like that I do really enjoy. And I should also say that, of course, there's slow-mo in flash scenes. That makes sense to me. It's all the other slow-mo scenes. Like anytime Wonder Woman does anything, 
And then it's accompanied by that stupid ancient chant thing oh, that kind of yeah. sounds like, hey, I like hey, And I like the Wonder Woman theme, yeah. but I don't yeah. like that chant. <laughs> no, and, and even they if they used the chant sparingly, it might have been okay. But it is literally any time she does anything. Yeah. <laughs> when she jumps over a parademon, it's like, ay, 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 ay. stick to one <laughs> theme for one character, you know? <laughs> Very frustrating. Um, but I thought the Amazon stuff was cool. Um, mm. All that was really cool. I thought the flashback fight scene with Darkseid when he comes to try and destroy Earth the first time was really cool in theory. Looked terrible. Like the CGI was really yeah. bad, but I would have loved to see that fully realized in Zack Snyder's vision. Because you could imagine something like that, telling a story that's a flashback and getting those iconic images that Zack is really good at making. Mm-hmm. That would have been really cool. Yeah, I agree. That, that, that was a really cool scene. What do you think about the whole mother box thing and all that? You mean as them being like a MacGuffin for the movie or? Well, just how it compared to how they were handled in justice league uh the oh, theatrical yeah. version and were you interested at all in that plot did you care about all of that how did it work yeah didn't really care about the plot um because i, <laughs> I like i said earlier one of my favorite parts about this movie is how much they fleshed out the characters that they didn't get to flesh out in the original justice league so that's what i kept wanting more of like i loved like the alfred uh wonder woman chat and stuff With but every tea. time that was but funny. every time they talked about the mother boxes I was like, come on, just like get to the get to the next thing. I, I kept wanting to text you like, when does something happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie takes a long time to get going for um, sure. It, but I, I did like with the mother boxes, it was it has a lot to do with dark side, I guess. But there was less of Step Steppenwolf just like saying mother every five seconds. <laughs> that was that was really weird in the original one. <laughs> it was like, I don't think you guys understand what the mother box is. Yeah, I was surprised by how much stuff was cut from the theatrical version. Like, so it wasn't just an additional two hours. There was a lot of small things that were taken out. And a Mm -hmm. lot of the dumb stuff that Steppenwolf said was taken out. Mm -hmm. A lot of the dumb stuff that happened between members of the team was taken out. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the stuff. uh, Not all of it, though. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. There there is some really cringe. I don't know if cringy is the right word. Cringy is the right word if I'm thinking the same thing. (laughs) I would say tonally inconsistent, where they'll just say stuff that's a little too humorous for the overall tone of the movie. Mm. Um, some of the Flash stuff, I think, is funny and works in line with the tone of him being the jokester, the quickster, whatever. Yeah. But then there's other stuff that's a little ridiculous. What are you specifically talking about, Ian? Yeah. So I, I completely agree that the the Flash worked, not just because he was funny, but because he also wasn't funny and that was his thing. He was making dumb jokes. Yeah. And that that worked for the tone of the movie. But when you make like Batman make dumb jokes or like Wonder Woman make dumb jokes, I'm like, this is just bad writing. Wh- which one are you specifically talking about? Okay, so there was a joke at Star Labs by one of the scientists. He made a joke about how he was the hottest object in the room. Oh, yeah. And that w- I was like, was that- am I supposed to laugh at that? <laughs> because Victor's dad doesn't laugh at it. And I'm like... What- <laughs> Is that a joke? <laughs> is the other scientist that is not Victor's dad, is he an actual character? Choi. Is that his name, Choi? I don't know. Uh, I, I think he's the su- successor to the Adam in the comics, oh, if okay. I remember correctly. Because there seems to be a lot of these things in 
this movie that are sort of setting up potential other things. Like, yeah. there's a Green Lantern cameo. There's a Martian the Manhunter cameo. Mm. What did you think about that? I thought that looked really dumb and was super out of place. Yeah, I thought the first Martian Manhunter scene was out of place and bad. When when he uh, impersonates Martha, mm-hmm. uh, I almost said Martha Wayne. Jesus. <laughs> Wait Martha a minute. Ca- do Batman and Superman are they mothers have the same name? Martha? Um, yeah, I, I didn't even mean to do that. that. I have to be honest. I, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but but when he first impersonates her and then goes to Lois and is like, you have to get back out there and stop being sad. I was like, why is he here? Mm-hmm. Why is he doing this? Like, it didn't make any sense. Okay, but and you were okay with the part where he comes and talks to Bruce Wayne and is like, some people call me Martian Manhunter. Okay, so when he said Martian Manhunter, that was sort of cringy. But <laughs> but I, I thought him coming out at the end sort of made sense for who his character is. He's like a peaceful person. He doesn't want to like get involved in fights if he doesn't have to. So it made sense to me that he would come out at the end of this and be like, we can fight back a bit against this force and we have to. So do you remember when the original Justice League was coming out, they had this marketing push that was like, unite the seven? Yes. There's only six members of the Justice League. Oh my God, was he the seventh? I think so. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> so it was clear that Zack Snyder had a lot of plans for Martian the Manhunter that were ultimately scrapped. I think it's really distracting in this, but this is one of those things that he includes in here to be like, okay, one one of the things that I think I, I respect Zack Snyder as a um, director and as mm-hmm. a creative visionary, like there really is nobody that is doing things like he is doing. And even if it's not my cup of tea, I respect that. What I don't really respect is that he tends to do a bad job at either intentionally or unintentionally stoking the flames of his fandom. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff at the end of this movie feels like him saying, all right, get back on your keyboards and start demanding the restoration of the Snyderverse. Yeah. And there's one big scene, obviously. Do we want to start talking about that now? Uh, yeah. I just remembered another really cringy joke. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> I, at least I think it was a joke. I saw people talking online thinking that it was serious, but the scene where... Batman and Wonder Woman are on the computer and their hands touch and it's like an awkward like they make eye contact when their hands touch and they pull away really quick like in a romance like rom-com kind of thing and I saw that as like a dumb like awkward moment kind of joke and I thought it was really stupid but then I saw online that people were thinking that this was hinting at a relationship between the two of them. I genuinely have no idea what you're talking about. You don't remember that? Oh my god, I thought that was so cringy. I don't know, what hour of the movie was this in? <laughs> it was chapter five. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I, I did like their chemistry. I, I enjoyed their kind of playful flirting. I don't know. That's I thought it was I, really that's dumb every time they did. It didn't feel natural to me. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, let's talk about the epilogue. Yeah. The Joker scene. So I watched this movie a little bit before you, so I hadn't really talked to anybody who had seen it before, and I knew that Joker showed up in the trailer, Mm -hmm. but about three and a half hours into this four-hour movie, I was like, where the hell is the Joker? 
Did you have that same thought? Um, I sort of knew when he was going to come, just, ba- just based on like the scene that we saw, but it was still so tact- Like This was confirmed as one of the reshoots, right? Yeah, so basically what happens is it's kind of like a flash forward or almost a vision that Bruce mm-hmm. has when he's sleeping of, what do you call it? Is it apocalypse? Dark side no, this wins? is like the nightmare. Right. They're, they're calling it a nightmare, um, but it also takes things from injustice. Okay. So, yeah, there's a lot of things going into this. So basically it's like dystopian. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman is dead. Mm-hmm. So is my man. What's... Aquaman, whatever. (laughs) They replace him with Amber Heard, who is an atrocious actor. Her dialogue in that scene, I thought, was awful. Yeah, she didn't have to be there. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So, so, what is this? What is this? What is is it? What is it setting up? Why is there the Joker here? Are you okay with spoilers? Sure. I the the interesting thing about this is that like if they do continue with it fine if they don't also fine like i have no Mm -hmm. emotional investment in this so yeah yeah, whatever spoil away so i know the the script for all of the movies is out there online uh this is gonna be this was supposed to be a trilogy the the justice league movies the second one was supposed to take place entirely i think in this like nightmare world and then the i think the flash was somehow supposed to get them out of it i don't know all of it but it takes a lot of things from injustice if you've ever played the game or read the comics um it's a dystopian kind of other world story where superman goes bad uh because lois is killed by the joker and superman essentially becomes a dictator of the world and kills a lot of people um and becomes a supervillain. and so is so, that the reference about lois being the key yeah yeah so Lo- okay. apparently in the second movie Lois is killed by Darkseid. He he just like pops through a boom tube, kills Lois in front of Batman, and then Superman comes back and blames Batman for not saving Lois, and then like goes off and joins Darkseid. Okay. Yeah. So this scene is basically just teasing that, right? Yes. It's kind of Zack Snyder being like, I have more to tell here if people claim that they want it loud <laughs> enough. And twist HBO's hand. Yeah, so that's one of my uh, that's one of my biggest issues, I guess, with this is uh, I I feel like I heard that this nightmare scene at the end with the Joker was shot after the fact. This was one of those scenes that he shot in like the last year to add into the movie. Yeah, which means that he like consciously was trying to do that. He was trying to get people to rally for him to get more movies. It, that's how I read it, at least. So what are your thoughts on that? Are you excited for that? Um, I I mean, I have the same feelings that I had for this movie. Like, I'll, I would watch <laughs> them. I might enjoy them a bit, but I hate the way that it's happening. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I feel. And like, we already see this happening with people being like, okay, now release the air cut of Suicide Squad. And I, I, I think as good or as whatever as this movie is i really don't like what it means for fandom Mm -hmm. and it feels like this is validation for people saying oh if we are loud enough if we are annoying enough if we bully enough people online then we can get the last jedi written out of star wars canon Mm -hmm. and we can get them to not kill luke 
and bring him back as our original Luke. You know, it just feels really problematic for me. Mm -hmm. But maybe I'm just like overreacting. And maybe that is just a really small minority of people who actually want to see this vision. I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe they also just added in this epilogue scene to make sure that we saw the glory that was Jared Leto's Joker. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it was a uh, Academy Award push. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So are his tattoos temporary? Did he cover them up? Did he go to some sort of apocalyptic tattoo removal place to get them off? Or Maybe he had like Superman laser them off with his eyes or something. Um, It's a good use of his powers. So before we wrap up on this, can I quickly read through some of my nitpicks? (laughs) Yeah. Go for it. Uh, I'll try to be very fast about this. Wait, is is one of them? I only have one nitpick because I didn't write stuff down. I'm sure I had plenty when I was watching it. Actually, no, I have two. I just came up with another oh one. Oh, God, I have tons. <laughs> okay, first, why does Aquaman swim in jeans? I get that, like, he doesn't have to take his clothes off for whatever, but, like, jeans are really uncomfortable to swim in. Mm-hmm. Number two, how did the parademon hit Flash with a single bullet when he was going almost at the speed of light? How do you time that? Uh, I that can't was, tell you. You throw enough spaghetti dumb. at the wall, something's going to stick. Yeah, but he only threw one thing of spaghetti. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know if that metaphor <laughs> tracks anymore. What are your nitpicks, Ian? This, okay. this should be good. So Aquaman outs Batman in front of people in the town um, who clearly speak English because they showed that they spoke English in the bar. Oh, so we're really um, going with nitpicks. Okay. <laughs> Snyder is pr- pretty much the Charles Dickens of superhero movies, and I mean this in the worst possible way. He spent two minutes looking at Lois and her coffee in slow motion. Uh, <laughs> when we went to the museum with Wonder Woman, where she saves it, where she saves everybody at the beginning of the movie, I was convinced that that, that was going to be adding Shazam into the movie because there were a bunch of kids there. Didn't end up going that way, but I, I was really hoping for that. It's not really a nitpick. a nitpick. It's, ju- it's just me. It's just something I wanted. <laughs> I see. This is great um, criticism. <laughs> felt weird having a title of a chapter being Age of Heroes when we know about one and a half heroes at this point in the movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Some of the titles for all of these things were a little weird. There was Let me a, ask you before you continue, do you think this would have been better as a miniseries? Because yeah. those were clearly the things that were going to be individual episodes, right? I think so. In the same way that be like better. WandaVision was where we had speculation in between. Oh, I would have not watched this week to week. <laughs> oh, okay. I would have been like, fuck that. I, I will watch it at the end. There is no way that I would sit down every Friday and okay. watch this for Fair. six weeks, Ian. Fair. Sorry, um, continue. Uh, yeah, there was a super weird transition going into Star Labs where the janitor like swings his mop around and there's like a giant thud. And I was like, who's this janitor? Why do we care yeah, about I him? Yeah, I thought that too. And then he just gets killed in the next little bit. Steppenwolf moves super slowly after getting the mother box from Themyscira. We have like an hour of movie until he goes to the next thing, and that, that felt really weird to me. I came um, up with another nitpick, but I'll, I'll save it. You already mentioned the Aquaman doing that weird rescue scene just for the cool shot of him standing on the boat. That just felt like Zack Snyder pleasuring himself. And also, Jesus. Speaking of Jesus, Jesus, did you see the Jesus moment? Yes, with Superman. Yeah, Yeah. like of course, of course, course. he can't help himself, can he? Um, I can't believe that Joker and Willem Dafoe are in the same movie, and Willem Dafoe is not playing the Joker. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, the CGI, especially the blood in that flashback scene with Darkseid, was atrocious. The the blood looked horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you it was a, Yeah, it was a little surprising how easily Darkseid got fucked up in that scene, too. Like, it just took Ares, I think. Which also made me think, like, how did Wonder Woman defeat Ares so easily? And why can't Wonder Woman defeat Darkseid? Um, <laughs> okay, so while we are here... <laughs> yeah. There's a part of this movie where there's a revelation that Steppenwolf figures out that the place that Darkseid got killed yes, that's all in those my next years spot. ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's so, that, that's my next point. <laughs> yeah, so so it's a reveal <laughs> that he finds out that Earth was that place. How do you not know that? Yeah. That feels like the kind of thing you would take a note of as you leave that place. Like this is where I had my big my biggest defeat ever. And I am like also, the lord of the galaxy. <laughs> But also Steppenwolf is a moron because he sees Amazons and he's like, ah, oh, Amazons. Wait a minute. Is this the place where my master was defeated by yeah. Amazons? <laughs> like Amazons are not a universal thing. That's literally one race that's on one planet. And Atlanteans too. He knew the Atlanteans too. Yeah. <laughs> um, Idiot. And it, it was also just speaking of Ares, like, are we supposed to believe that that dude who is playing Ares in that scene grows up into becoming Lupin? I'm pretty sure it's the same actor. Was it? Yeah. Oh. Well. Checkmate. Okay. Yeah, I guess that one's gone. Snyder one, Anderson zero. (laughs) That's right. Um, Yeah, the hand moment between Diana and Bruce made me want to die. I hated it. I was like, was that in the Joss Whedon version? Never mind. I don't care. (laughs) Um, And when they go into Cyborg's, I love Cyborg's backstory, but- he goes back and uh, changes somebody's grades at his school, and his mom is like, see, he's such a good person. He's so smart. He changed this person's grades. And I'm like, why wouldn't he just tutor her? <laughs> like, that seems pretty simple. Um, yeah, but this it's is really setting nitpicky. up the idea that he can manipulate all the things in that virtual bank, you know? Yeah, you're totally it's right. It's foreshadowing. Um, Diana references something about how- It's a cinematic how... <laughs> trick, Ian. Look it up. I'm sorry, Snyder. I'm sorry. <laughs> Diana references something about how she cut herself off from everybody and she was secluded. And I was like, well, except 1984. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the one year where she was like, eh, Yeah. Might as well I, see what's yeah, happening I'll after go, all I'll those go wars. today. <laughs> <laughs> There's that Oprah meme of- Oprah saying no from the um, oh, Prince from the Harry and Meghan yeah. Markle interview, yeah. and then there's yes. It's like Diana during World War II and Vietnam and Korean War and all of those. She's mm-hmm. like, no. Then it's girl almost falls in a mall in 1984, and she's like, yes, please. <laughs> um, I think verbally explaining memes are the best way to consume memes. Yeah, I totally agree. You should have a podcast dedicated to that. <laughs> that just <laughs> describes memes. <laughs> We talked earlier about how um, slow motion scenes made sense with the Flash, but there was one scene that stuck out to me. I was like, why did he do this? When they're fighting Steppenwolf in that sort of tunnel area, there's a slow motion scene where the Flash runs down the wall and pokes Wonder Woman's sword so that it gets back to her. So she grabs the sword and then they just land and they don't really do anything. And I'm like, so why did he do that? That's from the original theatrical cut also, but- I don't know, man. That it was, was just that another minute-long slow-motion scene to look cool, I guess. Um, I'm just going to say it. We didn't have to watch Martha pick up her U-Haul to move out of the farm. 
we could have just gotten that in the Martha scene with <laughs> Lois. We could have just been told that she had to move out of the farm. We didn't have to watch her do it. <laughs> I see. I that, see. That, was just, that was just another thing. I was like, we could have gotten three minutes right here. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, you also passed the part where little Icelandic girls are singing an Icelandic song oh, after yeah. Aquaman has left, and it's like two minutes. Yeah, I, I didn't really get the vibes that everybody else got from that with like the smelling the shirt thing, but I did write down that the music seems so inconsistent. It's smelling the shirt. Yeah, there was a woman that was smelling Aquaman's shirt in the background while he swam into the ocean. Right. Um, something that annoys me throughout all of the DCEU is how everybody sees Superman as a symbol, but we haven't seen Superman as a symbol. Everybody's crying about him, and I'm like, what? I don't care. He was he's yeah. a guy that showed up for a hot second. Like I, I do think that um this movie, if I can say something positive mm-hmm. about it in this, that it, it does do a good job at refocusing why the mother boxes activate. And it's not because because I think in the original one it was that the world was so sad mm-hmm. that Superman was gone. Mm-hmm. But now it's the mother boxes are activating because Darkseid knows that there's no Superman anymore. So he feels like he can take control of the earth. So yeah. that like just sw- slight refocus actually makes a lot of sense. And I, mm-hmm. I think there's a couple of those in here that are really well done. Yeah, I agree. Um, Continue the, fir- the first time they say Wonder <laughs> Woman, I think, is in this movie. They like use Wonder Woman as a title for Diana. And it was oh. when it was when uh, Flash calls her a Wonder Woman. And I was like, I, I hate it. Take it back. Because <laughs> <laughs> he used it as like a one off like joke about how hot she was. Um, there are no security guards around Clark's body when it's buried. How is this not like the most secured place in the planet? How is this not like with the spaceship? But don't they not know that Clark Kent is Superman? Isn't that still the thing? I mean, some people do. How else would they have gotten Superman's body to Clark Kent's grave? I don't know. Batman did it. I don't know. But but I'm pretty sure this is just like a random dude. Although on that note, now that Clark Kent is back from the dead, mm. how how is he just going to get a job at the Daily Planet again? Yeah, I don't know. Guys, I wasn't coma, dead. Maybe uh, I- surprise. <laughs> um, I audibly also, laughed. Also, Superman's back. I heard about that. That's weird. <laughs> what what a are the odds? <laughs> Puts on glasses. <laughs> Um, yeah, I audibly laughed when they opened up Superman's casket and Pa Kent's photo fell out. I was, <laughs> I was like, I'm like, Pa Kent, you mean the guy who wanted Superman to not save children from dying? That one? I don't know. He had a point. <laughs> yeah, fuck kids. <laughs> um, uh, Barry's starting positions whenever he started running. I was like, this, whoever designed this has never seen a runner in their life. <laughs> Um, I thought it was really stupid that Superman could move as fast as Barry Allen. Like, that's Barry's thing. He's the fast guy. That bothered me in the original also. Like, Superman is obviously super fast, but it's always been pretty established the fastest person on the planet is the Flash. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's also just, right, the recurring joke between us is that Barry Allen is as fast as the plot allows because <laughs> there's a lot of things where he should be able to go much faster than Steppenwolf and just kill him instantly. Yeah. But that's not a movie. Mm-hmm. And then I made a note also about Lois because I had to, when she stopped Superman from killing everybody, I was like, Oh, that's why Lois is in this movie. 
Yeah. Um, Aquaman seems super pissed off that they revived Superman, but not until after the fact. I'm like, why didn't you bring that up earlier? That also like paid off, right? They kept saying it was a bad idea and they strongly suggested against it. And then it was fine. Or are we to presume that him being reawakened is going to somehow lead to I, the nightmare or what? I don't know. I don't okay. know. <laughs> um, and then when Victor's dad dies, I was like, cool, another dad died for no reason. He died for absolutely no reason. It was like just to track the mother boxes. And I'm like, how do you not have another way to track like a giant dome being spontaneously built on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know. And I think besides the black suit Superman, that was it. Superman also seemed pretty confident jumping in front of Steppenwolf's axe that he wasn't going to be hurt. And that sort of bothered me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's it though. You can keep all of that. You can keep none of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope that was cathartic for you. It was cathartic for me. I needed this after years. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Good. Well, let's end it there, I think. Yeah. Right? We've we talked about this a lot. I think it's obvious that there's a lot to like here. Hopefully we weren't too negative on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was actually pretty positive until the end there. Yeah. Yeah. And the the other thing that I'll say is that like you you went through a lot of nitpicks and I think you could feasibly do the same thing not to compare them blah blah blah, but you could theoretically do the same thing for a lot of the MCU movies. Oh, definitely. You could have a ton of little tiny nitpicks. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it doesn't matter if the movie works. And I think this movie is very close to working for me. It doesn't work fully, but it's still like solid. Yeah. Um, so hopefully those nitpicks don't dissuade people from watching the movie or make it seem like we hated the movie and it was so dumb and it's the worst comic book yeah. movie ever. None of that is true. It's by far not the best though so yeah take um, the nitpicks for what they are they are nitpicks <laughs> yeah so since we're on the movie marathoners podcast let's just end our review with a marathon related question and you know <laughs> and it is not often that we watch a movie where we could have finished an entire marathon during the movie's runtime and this version of justice league is very much one of those movies We could easily finish a marathon in four hours. Yeah. So my question is, how many miles do you think you could run in four hours and one minute? I'm going to say 40. Wow. So that's over a marathon and a half, just about? Yeah. A little bit slower than marathon pace. Yeah. No, you couldn't do that. Right? If it was three hours for a marathon and then the other half would be an hour and a half. Oh, I was thinking like 2.30 being the marathon. Holy shit. You're going to run a marathon in 2.30 and then keep going? If I'm running it, like, assuming I'm running, like, away from this movie. (laughs) Oh, burn. Good one. (laughs) No, no. Yeah, probably a little bit less than that. Did you write for Justice League? That sounds like a pretty bad joke. Huh. I guess I wrote for it too. Okay, whatever. (laughs) Fine. So you're saying 40 miles. That's pretty Uh, impressive. Yeah, 37 to 40 miles. (laughs) Okay. I think I'm going to be a little bit lower. I can definitely do the marathon. I could probably do it in about an hour in, or I mean in three hours and mm-hmm. keep going. So if I run for another hour, let's give it another eight miles, nine miles, nine miles. So that's what? Do the math. 29. 35. Oh, 35 miles. <laughs> yeah. 35 miles. I'm going to say that. Mm. So you can always do that instead of watching Justice League. You can 
run a marathon and keep going. Keep that in mind. Yeah. All right, let's move <laughs> on to our point two section. Now, normally we talk about whatever else we've been watching, and it's usually just a grab bag of different things. However, this week we're going to talk about the first episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is the new Disney Plus MCU show, of course, starring Anthony Mackie as the Falcon and Sebastian Stan as the Winter Soldier. Superheroes cannot be allowed to exist. I have no intention to leave my work unfinished. The wall's upside down right now. Where do we start? So this is the second Disney Plus MCU show following up WandaVision, which ended two weeks ago. Ian, you and I talked a lot about that in the episode from two weeks ago. People should check that out. I thought it was a really good conversation where we were very fair on evaluating that show for what it was. So now we're here after just the pilot episode of this show. Ian, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I absolutely love this show. This is what I wanted. It feels weird judging this show when we knew that we were supposed to get this first in front of WandaVision um, and then WandaVision next because watch after watching WandaVision, I can assume that most people were like, what are these shows going to be like? They're all so <laughs> weird. But this is like classic MCU stuff. If if you like like Winter Soldier, Civil War, you're going to love this. Lots of cool things expanding on Falcon and Bucky. Probably more lines in the first episode for Bucky than he's gotten in the entire MCU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is pretty cool. But delving into some really cool issues for the both of them. And I hope, especially with falcon that they don't stray away from getting too much into where i think this is going with especially in the comics when falcon took up the mantle of captain america there were a lot of racist things coming out both in the comics and in the our real world with him taking up the mantle and i hope that they don't stray away from that in this show because there are a lot of really cool conversations to be had about that yeah i completely agree with you i adored this episode um and i mean I will say that I also adored the first two episodes of WandaVision Mm. and then got a little cooler on that show as it went on. But one of the things that I really love about this is, as you're saying, is it feels exactly like the MCU stuff. And I know that is exactly what I said I didn't want. Like I wanted (laughs) things to push the envelope. And I guess there is a way that you could do it with this show, but that was never really what I was expecting Mm. from this show. But it gives us time to get to know these characters in a way that we would never get to know them in a movie. Mm -hmm. Like there is no world where in a movie that is trying to make 700 plus million dollars at the box office that Sam Wilson as the Falcon goes back to his family in NOLA and tries to help his family business stay afloat. And that's just a cool scene to have that character. I, I really like the scene of him in the bank where the guy is just asking him questions about how he makes money being a superhero that's a question that we're genuinely interested Mm -hmm. in knowing how does this work um oh it's pro bono basically so i really liked all those scenes i really liked the scenes of bucky trying to grapple with his past and some of the stuff that he said when he was in therapy was really cool um i just liked the scene of watching him go on a date and play battleship with this random girl that he's going on a date with 
it's just fun to spend time with these characters. Yeah. And even though none of it is essential for whatever we're doing in phase four with multiverses, it adds texture to these characters mm-hmm. that makes us feel like we know who they are. And that's exactly what I wanted from the TV shows. Yeah. I, I think we talked about this in the WandaVision episode, but I love how these shows feel like they are the sort of comic book solo series that I'm used to yeah. uh, reading, where you get to delve into the characters on their own and learn a bit about them before they link up with other heroes for a big team-wide event, which I which I hope they are sort of going the direction of with, the, with these, because I, I think that's a really cool idea. You get to know these characters, and then you don't have to focus as much on the characters' backstories when you get into these big, massive endgame level movies. And especially with Bucky, I I love Falcon, but I thought this was such a good Bucky episode. Like you 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 often forget that Bucky is a man out of time just like Steve was, except yeah. except Bucky has like so much more baggage. And and it's really cool that they're like sort of delving into that. Yeah, I, the the one line that I really liked from Bucky's part of this episode was when he says that he had a temporary break or something when Mm -hmm. he was in Wanda. It was like a temporary vacation. But other than that, he has been going from war to war for Mm -hmm. the last 90 years Mm -hmm. or whatever, right? And I thought that that was really interesting because I feel like normally when something like this happens, you get the Wakanda thing. They just go, oh, okay, well, his trauma's over. We fixed it. Yeah. And I kind of made that joke about WandaVision. Like, oh, she, she fixed her trauma. I don't think that'll be true, hopefully, going forward. Like, hopefully, she still deals with it. But I like that the show is now saying there's still stuff that he has to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like his relationship with the old Asian man who is the father of the guy that we see yeah, him kill in his opening scene. I didn't get that scene. at first. I had to rewatch it, and then I got it. That hit me so much harder. I thought it was just a random <laughs> old guy. I was like, oh, maybe he knows this guy from his war days or something. Yeah. So all of that is really cool. Um, I agree with you. I hope that it goes in an interesting way where they can actually say something interesting mm-hmm. about these characters and their relationship to Steve. I also like that it just kind of reminds you that Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie are good actors and they're fun to be around. I do have a question for you about this episode, though. Yeah. At the end of the episode, the government introduces a new Captain America that seems like government-sponsored after Falcon presumably doesn't pick up the shield. I wonder, like, with actors, how do they feel being, like, typecast as, like, a person who has, like, a punchable face? Because <laughs> do you I, know who that actor is? No. but It's has, Wyatt Russell. Who's that? Well, he's Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's kid. Okay. But, I mean, the thing I know him most from is Zook from 22 Jump Street. But he's in a lot of stuff. Huh. He's in an episode of Black Mirror. It's called Playtest. Hmm. Okay. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. Look him up. You'll okay. I will. You'll see the face. Well, I just thought it was super funny. Like they haven't done anything with this new Captain America yet, and the internet already seems to hate him. I mean, I know like sort of the backstory yeah. of the character and stuff, but it's it's just super funny that he didn't have to do anything, and we're like, we hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Is he U.S. agent? Yes, I think so. Yeah. I am assuming so. <laughs> he just looks absurd <laughs> in that getup. Yeah. And Wyatt Russell is an attractive man, but he looks so goofy in that chin strap. It is really funny. 
I, I would be interested to know like what's going on in his mind as he sees everybody using his picture as yeah. the, you know, we have Netflix at home or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some, some pretty brutal memes like, of, of him in the outfit. Like they could easily take the character in a different direction and have him be like an actual good guy and we'll yeah. be, and then. <laughs> we're gonna have to feel bad or something and this poor guy was like yeah i get to play captain america it's gonna be so fun poor guy like i said he's kurt russell's kid so he'll be fine but yeah (laughs) i don't know we we also know that baron zemo is coming back in some Mm -hmm. in some way in this so that'll be cool Mm -hmm. um the action was really cool i really liked how real it feels when falcon hits people like that reminded me a lot of winter soldier yeah um so the scene at the beginning i thought was just pretty that was awesome awesome. and just sort of speaking about that scene a little bit like i think we forget that falcon is just a normal guy with wings (laughs) like he's not a super soldier or anything from what i know like if he gets hit by one of those bullets like he's down like he's done (laughs) oh yeah but he won't plot armor yeah Um, i know did you notice that the guy that he was fighting in the beginning was Batrock the yeah. Libra. Yeah. yeah, he's the guy on the boat in the Winter Soldier. Oh, I, I know. said that to Dana when we were watching this, and she looked at me as if I had two heads. She was like, I have no idea who the fuck that is. Think about who I was you're like, talking okay, fair. To. But for me, I was pretty excited. <laughs> yeah. And before, yeah, my theories are always are already churning for this this show, like like WandaVision. I I learned no lessons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what I like about this show is that. It seems like it's going to be a really interesting story. Um, you know the the faceless army or whatever. Oh yeah, the flag smashers. the people. Yeah, the flag smashers and the people who think that the world was better during the blip. That's yeah. a clever wrinkle. All that was cool. Yeah, but I don't think anything in this is going to have a meaningful impact on the MCU as we know it going forward. And I like that. I thought WandaVision got too into that and people got so fixated on, oh, Doctor Strange is going to show up or Reed Richards is going to show up. And now I feel like we can just watch this show, enjoy it for what it is. Mm -mm. And hopefully what it is is no, you're (laughs) saying no. (laughs) No, I have so many theories that you just shot down and I won't accept it. (laughs) All right. I guess I can eat crow when I'm wrong in eight weeks or whatever. And they've exposed the X-Men via Sam Wilson's blood. But you're not far off from one of my theories. <laughs> oh my god! You think they're gonna go take well, actually, Steve you're Rogers' not far blood? Off from and... Two of my theories. Okay, I don't even want to know. I... <laughs> <laughs> what is it like to be you? Do Do you just live in a constant state of disappointment where nothing is as exciting as what's in your head? Or why would you like on? to join me? Not really. <laughs> I wish you the best of luck with all of your theory crafting. Thank endeavors. you. I'm taking that as a genuine goodwill. It was 50% genuine. Um, With that, let's go ahead and outro it up. Uh, This has been our review of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Ian, thank you so much for joining me. I hope this was really cathartic for you. It was very cathartic for me to finally discuss not only the positives, but also, of course, the negatives of this four-hour film that we have been waiting our entire lives for. Mm -hmm. Is there anything specific that you want to plug here? Am I allowed to plug your YouTube? Yeah, I'm not going to plug it. (laughs) <laughs> okay yeah i'm gonna plug mati's uh youtube channel that has recently taken off he is shooting off like a a freight train is that a saying i don't know make it justice league i'm shooting off like, like a speeding bullet um like zod's neck what there's something there <laughs> there's something there 
Okay. I'm but... like Flash in <laughs> the Speed Force. No, I'm getting a lot of subscribers really quickly, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, I'm really thankful for anybody who's been supportive of that. Yeah. Uh, and what what's the the name of the channel again? Uh, Flygon HG. It's uh-huh. very different than what we do here, where we talk about movies. Um, on my YouTube channel, I do hard playthroughs of Pokemon. So yeah, it's actually if- really entertaining. I think even if you aren't <laughs> super into Pokemon, you'll at least laugh at a few of his jokes. It's the same Monty humor you've come to know and love, but uh, in a different format. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, definitely check it out. I'm really proud of it. It's it's a lot of fun. So thank you for doing that. But also, um, I will plug here Ian's Twitter. He is very funny on Twitter, so you should check him out at I Anderson and get this: the O in Anderson is a zero. All right, that's enough. Because the O kind of looks like a zero. That's enough out of you. Yeah, um, check him out. The intro music for this episode is a piece called "Work" by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at Incompetech.com. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when I release new episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at MovieMaripod or on Facebook at facebook.com slash moviemarapod. That's movie, M-A-R-A, pod. And you can always reach out to the podcast via email by contacting moviemarathonerspod at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of the podcast online at evergreenpodcasts.com slash movie-marathoners, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe or write a review if you like the podcast, and any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. So thank you all for listening, and I hope you'll tune in next time for a TBD topic. Still figuring out the schedule, might take a week off next week, but stick around and stay tuned for all of that. Until then, remember that life's a marathon, so let's take it one movie at a time. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.